to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Well, 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 what have we here? It is indeed another edition of the Lions of Liberty podcast. In fact, this is the 184th episode of this program. And that means you can find the show notes for today's episode over at lionsofliberty.com slash 184. And this is going to be a special one because we're going to try something a little different here today. We've got two separate crews covering two separate debates because they've just become too much for us to handle. So we had to divvy up the labor a little bit. But before we get into things, I want to remind you all that you can support our podcast, all these podcasts, all these debate reaction shows, all these interviews that we do here by shopping through our Amazon link. You can find that over at lionsofliberty.com slash Amazon. It costs you nothing to do this except for, you know, the price of whatever crazy stuff you're buying online nowadays. And, uh, you know, it just sends us a little kickback to help us keep the lights on here at the Lions of Liberty Studios. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce my A-team I get to call us the A-team because we're the first ones and because I'm the host. But our first debate we're going to cover is the Democrat debate, which took place on Thursday evening. And to cover that, I've got, you know what? I never bring you in first. So why don't I start with my legal counsel, Mr. Rico over in Cleveland? Whoa, I wasn't prepared for that. I know you were, and I wanted to throw you a little curveball. I'm stunned. I'd uh, I'd say it's good to be back, but it kind of feels like I never left. And I'm just- I was just thinking that. It feels like I was just sitting here in the studios. Big loop. Staring at this microphone with similar voices on the other end of it. Um, Podcast matrix we're in. It is. It is. All right. We'll get your thoughts further in a minute. But first, we got to bring in the godfather himself of Lions of Liberty, Howie Snowden, in Leesburg v. VA, not PA, like I said last time. Hey, Mark. For, uh, we're going to be the A team. I want to be face. All right. You can be face. Um, I'm clearly Murdoch. Although, really, if I'm the leader, I should be Hannibal, I guess. So that leaves actually Ulrico's got to be Mr. T, right? That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> All right, that works. And hey, since, you know, since there's only three of us, I'm going to be like a, a weird like Hannibal Murdoch like um, amalgamation. I'm going to be like if if they had a child basically, and then it grew up to be a great crazy leader. <laughs> We all have goals and dreams. All right. Hopefully uh, our audience actually was big fans of the A-team because otherwise this is just boo. They're just dropping like fries right now. So speaking of dropping like fries, <laughs> let's get into this Democratic debate tonight because I, I have a feeling I, I kind of felt like my blogging team, my live blogging team was sort of dropping like flies as this thing went along because I, I don't know. I actually didn't mind this debate compared to some of the other ones I've seen. It actually, to me, it helps when O'Malley is gone. Because uh, it's it's just more one on one. It's Bernie v Hillary, and to me, it, it's there's more of a distinction between the two. Obviously, not in their policies, as we'll talk about. Because uh, apparently, their goal was just, especially Hillary, not not as much Bernie, but Hillary seemed like all she wanted to do was just be sure to emphasize how much she agreed with Bernie on everything before going into whatever minor deviation in, in policy proposals she might have. Did you guys uh, pick up that at all? I did pick up on it and I blogged it actually. So, oh, yeah, that's, like why, that's still- where I got this from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, was, oh, go ahead. I was live blogging that too, but I have to admit, I did fall asleep for like 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> Just, uh, they're, they're See, <laughs> that's great. I rhetorically asked if anyone fell asleep, but uh, someone literally did. So, I started just uh, <laughs> surf the internet. I, I found it quite kind of tedious. Like we've watched this exact same democratic debate five, six times already. 
the only difference really was uh, Hillary trying to become a Bernie clone. So maybe people will like her and vote for her. But that's definitely he's definitely served the purpose of like trying to pull her to the left. And it makes you realize how close to I guess you want to call it the center. But that's where I would call where most Republican candidates are already. Like the difference between what she really is and an actual Republican currently running is very minimal, if if anything, other than slight rhetoric. But Bernie is kind of pulling that in the other direction and making her kind of waffle because she wants to be that centrist. So that's what her goal is. That's how she sells herself as the the reasonable one. You know, she's got the same ideals as Bernie, but she's not coming up with all these crazy plans. You know, we can't do everything, she says. There's a limit to what we can do, which is really funny to hear coming from Hillary Clinton to say there's a limit on what the government can do, which you never think you'd, she'd be in a position where that's the, the side of a debate she has to be on. Even her moving to the left, though, it just seems like it's all just talk. Um, she, It just comes off as so disingenuous. It's She's just a liar. I don't, I don't believe anything that she says at all. She's not, she's not like Bernie Sanders. It's... I don't know, it's especially in terms of foreign policy or uh, or her trying to say that like uh, she's been fighting the the banks and the pharmaceutical industry and all that crap. It's like, no, you haven't. It's none of that. Not, nothing she says is true at all. Well, yeah, I, she's actually taken the most money from the pharmaceutical industry than any other presidential candidate that's running. So it's it's funny when she comes out as, you know, those healthcare companies, they sure are afraid of me. I mean, the Obama administration, the healthcare companies, the, the they wrote the this law together, the Affordable Care Act, the major healthcare companies, because what you're seeing now, you're seeing all this consolidation in the healthcare industry. You're seeing certain companies go out of business and get absurd by the bigger ones. And it's just being consolidated into the hands of a very few corporations, which is Kind of what Bernie Sanders is getting at. He just doesn't get there in a very um, logical way. He, he really, to me, he sees a lot of the symptoms. He sees that, you know, people are feeling like there's a sense of injustice out there. They feel like the system is rigged. And even Hillary Clinton is out there saying the system is rigged. But it's, it's just, uh, it's very vague the way he explains things. Isn't it good? Yeah. I mean, Hillary is, it's rigged in her favor. So she can't complain too much. She's the face of crony capitalism. And even, you know, we mentioned the banks, the pharmaceutical industries, but what about like the military industrial complex and Boeing and all the money she gets from them? Like, no wonder she's such a warmonger. It's she's the worst. I, I think Trump said recently she's just, you know, in a way she's evil. And he's right. Another was, point for Trump. <laughs> I was uh, when I was watching this just horrible debate. Um, I. I Bernie just came across as as just an idiot to me. And then I was trying to picture if they were on like a a teeter-totter and you had to weigh Bernie's idiotness versus Hillary's corruptness, what would be – who would be at the bottom? I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess not. Whatever. I mean Hillary is just uh, intolerable and, and Bernie's answer to everything is just to make it bigger. Um, you know, someone making, getting $16 a month, uh, that wasn't really explained, you know, the the old guy getting $16 a month from, yeah, that was one of those Facebook questions. (laughs) Like, where's he getting $16 a month from? I I don't know. How old is he? I don't know. Well, just give him more. I, I, that was, that was the answer for, for Bernie. He he clearly doesn't understand economics, but did you guys see that article the other day where Ron Paul saying that, you know, of all the people left, he would be the most libertarian choice. 
That's funny because that's I haven't argued that he's the most libertarian. I don't know if I would go that far. I just think he might be the least bad of all possible options. Although I'm starting to think Donald Trump might be the least bad of all of all possible options. What is yeah. Bernie really libertarian on other than criminal justice reform? I don't know how I didn't read that article. So what was uh, Ron Paul's argument? Criminal justice reform, the auditing the Fed. Um, well, she didn't for, really see support when he could have had the chance, right? Well, he did vote for the recent bill, the Rand's at the Fed bill, which uh, Cruz didn't show up to vote for. Didn't what? Didn't when Ron Paul had the original bill and wasn't he? Going with Bernie, and then Bernie kind of threw Bernie him on the wanted bus, to so go to for a, a watered down version. Yeah, yeah. disappointing. But basically, in committee, Bernie watered down the bill and, and made it not as quite as invasive. The one that finally did pass, the one that he mentioned tonight, that was in the Dodd Frank bill. That's that. That's the audit the Fed, I guess, provision, or not the Dodd Frank bill, but um, it, it was it was a provision passed as a part of another bill, and um, you know, the version that Bernie had in there was, I guess, watered down. Ron Paul has a whole video on YouTube about that. So it's funny that he would actually mention that. I mean, I guess comparatively, compared to other Democrats and even most other Republicans, the fact that he at least went out and audited the Fed, he even talks about the Fed sometimes, that's, you know, puts him above, you know, most yeah, of the Paul other candidates. Also, he's also bringing up how, like, uh, Ted Cruz is, like, beholden to Goldman Sachs and things like that. And uh, it, it, I think it's it was more just, like, comparative, like, compared to Ted Cruz and Hillary Clinton and... Donald Trump and Ron Paul's eyes, he, he thought, you know, the least bad would be Bernie Sanders, which is, I agree, but, you know, I'm not cheerleading any of these people. It was uh, actually the Dodd-Frank bill, by the way. I was right, and then I thought I was wrong, so I tried to back down, and then I did a little research while you were talking, and I was right. I should trust my instincts. That's the lesson. <laughs> the best question, I think, of the night was, when it was another Facebook question, they said, what part of the government would you eliminate? And <laughs> Bernie was stumped. He was like, I would eliminate the bureaucracies that are wasteful. <laughs> okay. He did say he'd cut the Department of Defense. He, he kind of tepidly went there after the initial answer when he couldn't think of anything. And then he said, I would look at the Department of Defense. Okay, you're going to look at something. Okay. You're not doing anything. And Hillary's answer was like, <laughs> she would eliminate what's not needed. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, I was feeling like uh, the trick. The trick part is, I think everything's needed. So, gotcha. I was feeling like Bernie was the least bad option of all these guys. But after I was doing my taxes the other day, I, th- I think I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm swinging to more towards Trump uh, on this. I don't know this. The, the way he wants to grow government and how expensive it all be. It's- it would be funny to see a Bernie um, <laughs> tax plan when when you're filing tax. It would be funny until you actually had to pay the money. But you can just see like, okay, this is the amount of money you made and and you're paying like if they named individual people you're paying to send to college. Like <laughs> they just <laughs> pair you up with – Sally on your street. <laughs> like one thousand hours for her to go to college. Like oh, those save the children commercials with Sally Struthers. They write you a card though at the end of every semester. Thank you. <laughs> Do you get their full their grades back, like their report card? <laughs> yeah, but if they get straight A's, you have to send them uh, twenty dollars for every A. Oh man! <laughs> and then like the the guy at the corner store, you got to chip in forty dollars so he can get a better meal. Really? You got a D in volleyball? Are you kidding me? That's only five bucks. <laughs> hey, well. Because you Bernie, still passed, technically. Will Bernie pay for us to go back to Penn State? <laughs> well, yeah, dude, what about like getting reimbursed for college? 
I don't want to get reimbursed. I want us to move back into fraternity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean go? You, we actually go again. He'll, he'll pay us to go again and get another degree. Yeah, if it's free college for all, like why should it matter that I just happen to have already gone, you know, 10 to 12 years ago or whatever it might be? Uh, the time is unimportant. Yeah, why should it just be for 18 to 24 year olds? Why not us? Oh, that's actually a good question, though, because, okay, we went to college. We can put us aside in the real conversation. But, the, you know, he's talking about Bernie's basically advocating that the government be fully in charge of educating everybody from the time they're five years old in kindergarten to the time they're like 22 because he wants to pay for K through 12 and pay for all college. And just, you know, that's not going to be a problem. That's they're just going to. And his solution is always tax speculation. That's all I ever hear. Do you guys have any idea what that means? <laughs> Uh, not really. Okay. (laughs) I'd be willing to bet it doesn't work though. (laughs) (laughs) Just though, but just thinking like in our circle in college, if you look at everyone we hung out with, how many of those people didn't give a, you know, an F about, (laughs) about doing anything like never studied, never went to class for two or three years. And now the government's going to pay for them. Hey, Howie's right here on the call with us, right? Hey, you don't have to call I him graduated. Like D for diploma. That's all that matters. <laughs> Howie was much better than some of the other people I was thinking of. But it, can you only imagine like now people – a lot of people don't want to go to college. But if the government's paying for them, they'll say, oh, what the hell? Everyone may as well. It's, and I'm, I'm curious. Does it just pay for tuition? Does it pay room and board? Does it pay the kind of stuff some student loans would pay that's like enough to live on to? Like, are we Why just should pay only people... rich people get to live in dorms? Exactly. Mm. <laughs> Why should only rich people get a, a meal plan? Why it's should for... only rich people get to go to happy hour? <laughs> yeah. Heck, why do you have to go to happy hour? Why can't you – why can't we pay for people to get full-priced drinks? One thing I wish Bernie would do though is instead of like saying all this stuff that he's clearly alluding to Hillary Clinton standing right next to him, just be like, listen, I, just, I want you to just call her by name and call her out. Like you're taking all this money. You're the one half of the one-tenth of one percent. Well, he was kind of doing it. He was like 80% doing it. I mean he was basically like, let me just say, I'm just saying – People, the Wall Street, they do not donate money for no reason. The drug companies, they do not just donate yeah. money out of the goodness of their hearts. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. That's basically. I guess I, I want. I want to see him do it the way Trump. Would that do might it. have been when you were sleeping, though. What is his answer, though? You just can't donate over a certain amount. I, um, I didn't he just understand. Wants that. to limit it and and I guess so, not allow these super PACs that basically allow corporations to donate money. I mean. <laughs> It's just an end around to, to, to donations. If people don't donate through their corporations, they're going to find out another way to donate. Yeah, or find out other ways to get corporate paybacks. I mean, to me, the real problem with, with finance is, is that there's so much stuff to give away. You know, we have a system yeah. that allows just things to be handed out to people, contracts just to be handed out to companies. That's what they're paying for. So take away what they're paying for. No one seems to ever bring that up when talking about campaign finance reform. Yeah, that's a perfect point because people should really be able to donate as much money as they want to whatever candidate. But if they're not getting a return on their investment, they're not going to, you know, donate that much. Problem solved. And you made a good point in the live blog. I won't try to steal your thought this time. But uh, 
saying that, well, I mean, you're, you're describing his own supporters in a way, too. I mean, Bernie supporters, a lot of them are supporters because they want something, too. They're donating their average of $27 because they want free college or they want other things that Bernie is promising them. And not even necessarily in a nefarious way. I voted. I sent Ron Paul money twice in, in two different election cycles because I wanted the things he was talking about, which were to me was just ending the war on drugs, less wars and stuff like that. It wasn't really getting stuff, but I wanted to see goals accomplished. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Everybody's doing the same thing. They're donating because they want to see whatever these candidates are going to do happen. The way I see it, though, is like, so Bernie's getting money from small, small donations. He's able to raise as much money, you know, almost. He's able to raise enough. So I don't think it's the issue of not being able to fund yourself without taking these donations from uh, large, you know, corporations. I think the, the important thing is, though, the people that are taking those, like Hillary, are going to be beholden to them. Whereas Bernie's going to be beholden to, you know, the average Joe that's sending them $27, whatever it is he keeps saying. Over well, them. it's going to be just as costly, though, to the country for him to give free college to all of his supporters and really everyone or raise the minimum wage. It would be funny <laughs> if he had to take phone calls from each supporter that sent him the money. Like, <laughs> Bernie, I sent you my $27, all right? And I, I'm trying to get into Marist. I need to know, is this going to be paid for or what? Rico, remember, though, he can't just unilaterally do all this stuff. He's got to work with Congress. It's not oh. – just because he becomes president, it doesn't mean all of this stuff is going to happen. If I've seen anything from Obama and Bush, is you kind of can unilaterally do a lot of well, things. Well, they didn't pass any like like legislation concerning taxes and stuff unilaterally. I mean, st- stuff like the stuff Bernie wants to do would really have to go through Congress. And I think that's where he would hit a roadblock. And that's kind of been my argument for why I think he might be least bad, because the things he would have control over, like pardoning drug offenders, lowering the schedule of certain drugs like marijuana um, – and, you know, uh, the NSA spying, stuff like that, that he's against. And, you know, all the non-interventions, I think that was clear tonight that he's definitely not as much of a hawk as Hillary at all, even though he clearly, as she pointed out, which was a funny moment, she was she pointing out, playing a different role here, pointing out Bernie as someone who supported regime change as a criticism, even though, of course, she's the biggest regime change supporter out there. Um, you know, it's just interesting to see him t- have to sort of take this footing against her. Well, just backing up a second, though, uh, composition of Congress can change pretty quickly. Like, if you look at <clears throat> what it was in the first, well, in the first two years of Obama, it was so pro or you know heavily leaning to the Democrats that he could push Obamacare through without any Republican support. So, if Bernie got elected, yeah, maybe the first two years, um, he's not going to get any ep- economic legislation through that he likes, but say he's reelected for a second term, the uh, House or you know, Senate could be pretty heavily Democrat by then just by you know natural change, and by that time, everything's getting through. So uh, if not now, maybe later, which would all be just as dangerous. In my world, Bernie Sanders would be like a Jimmy Carter president. He would have four years where like, they would do some interventions and, uh, you know, the economy would kind of get bad. Not that I want the economy to get bad, but he wouldn't do anything terribly harmful. And then uh, we'd kick him out and try to get our senses together. <laughs> well, it's optimistic thinking, but I guess we shall see. I try to be optimistic here. Uh, let's see. What else? Is it time, is it time to talk, talk about Donald Trump yet? They talk about him in every single debate. Kind of something I wanted to talk about is, you know, we, when we just saw the results from New Hampshire recently and Sanders and Trump did so well, like – it's showing that people from both parties are just sick of the establishment. Something that I was thinking about today is 
say Trump and Sanders get a lot of popular support, but the parties screw them over somehow and they don't get uh, each respective nomination. Imagine four years from now how pissed off the people who are pissed off now already are going to be. Would that be a chance for finally a third party candidate or maybe some like a libertarian? If we're going to imagine something in your scenario, let's imagine that Trump and Sanders get screwed by each party and then run together on a third party ticket. (laughs) That would be amazing. This is the most exciting election I've ever seen, though. It's it's so entertaining. I think it's the most interesting one in in our lifetimes, right? I mean, at least since we've been paying attention to these things. I love just getting up every day and hearing what Trump said, what ridiculousness he's <laughs> to. But, it, okay, not to, to talk about Donald Trump too much because, you know, there's a GOP debate crew coming in too. So we'll let them handle most of that. But they can't go a debate, whether it's GOP undercard, whether it's a GOP debate where Donald Trump doesn't show up, whether it's a Democratic debate, without mentioning Donald Trump. And I find that this is the first time they really seem to go out of their way to bring him up. And I feel like they're both positioning themselves as against Trump as Trump as the nominee. So, I mean, do you think that they're now seeing Trump as inevitable? Or that they just project him as as being the caricature of of the Republican? Yeah, I think that's what it is, is where to maybe the average Democrat, Trump personifies evil and, and you know, maybe I'm just making it up, but I, he's obviously the most recognizable uh, Republican figure right now, especially to people who might not be following it, what the policies are, what their debates are. If you're just a Democrat watching the Democratic debate and hearing sound bites, you're like, oh my God, I hate that Trump guy. I hate that Trump guy. They probably are not as much familiar with Rubio or Kasich or, you know, uh, uh, is anybody Clues. familiar with Kasich besides us? <laughs> <laughs> I live in Ohio. I see all the wonders every day. But I, I like him. <laughs> I do you like think- him, Howie? That's right. We can do a we can do a quick side side uh, sidebar here into a, a tale from the page desk. Why don't Why don't you tell us a little bit about meeting John Kasich when you were a congressional page? Back oh, I in the mean, day? he would have told you the same thing then as he tells you now. He balanced the budget, you know. <laughs> is that all he ever talked about? He'd be like, "Oh, like, how, you're like, hey, I'm Howie." He's like, "Ah, oh, John Kasich, bu- uh, budget balancer." You were in the urinal, urinal next to him. He's like, "Ah, I balance the budget." Like, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm so having real trouble budget? balancing this urinal cake. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, Democrats. I know my mom's a huge Democrat. She hates Trump with a passion. It's I don't know. It just makes me laugh when I hear you know just hear like what you said about Ted Cruz recently as dying well you gotta tell <laughs> that us was now. so unnecessary how he did that in the um in that conference or uh in that rally <laughs> oh when he called him a uh p-u-s-s-y why am i spelling it like my my kid is in the room <laughs> this is an explicit <laughs> podcast he called ted cruz a pussy <laughs> well didn't he like someone called him a pussy in the audience and it yeah, yeah. Been yeah. Inaudible to he was like oh don't you like, don't you don't you say, did you say, don't, did you say that word? Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to repeat it. I'm not going to, okay, uh, this one time. Okay. One, she didn't say, I didn't say she, okay. She called him a pussy. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. Oh, it's good. So he's, he's hilarious. <laughs> it was completely unnecessary, but quite amusing. Man, if he keeps it up, I might be buying myself a make America great again hat. 
<laughs> All right, we got our we got to pull ourselves out of the Trump vortex because okay. it's like it's so easy to get pulled into there because we can spend hours talking about Donald Trump. Let's get let's get back to some of Bernie's stuff before we wrap things down here and, and toss it over to our Republican crew. You know, and and the, the things Bernie is good on, like I guess what bothers me about Bernie is like I really I, I want to like him for a couple of things. Um, the fact that he talks about criminal justice reform, the the fact that he talks about inherent racism in the justice system. I mean, it's apparent, um, but he doesn't go far enough like at all. Like he didn't even not only does he not say so we should end the war on drugs. He doesn't even mention the war on drugs as a factor in all this, which is when it's probably the biggest factor. So that kind of bothers me. I don't get why he doesn't go into that. I mean, he mentions marijuana. He did bring up marijuana, but he's afraid to say war on drugs. He's afraid. I don't know if he's afraid or he just chooses not to What for whatever reason. But he never goes too far into the drug aspect of it when it's the primary reason that so many people are locked up. So it's, it seems to me that there's like a, a strange disconnect there. And then same thing with foreign policy. Like he's pretty good, but then he's like, well, but we got to get like some troops here against Russia and like line around our European allies. And, and you know, then he gets into all this other weird kind of foreign policy ideas that where he sounds like a dove one minute, but then he sounds like, you know, Ronald Reagan, you know, arming ourselves against the, the evil communist threat the next minute. So it's, it's like, it's like, I really want to like him on the things that he's good on, but then he just he does he can't get all the way there and still comes across as kind of fuzzy on things. Is he doing the the Rand Paul like on his foreign policy? I think he, where he doesn't want to be too far to the dove side, and he you know is trying to like project some I quote unquote strength on the issue, and it just becomes wishy washy and maybe it's also he's just super focused on economic stuff and doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that he'd be super focused on economics and still not have a clue as to how it works but that's <laughs> economists spit their whole career is like that <laughs> yeah they win Nobel prize Nobel Peace or prizes yeah. prizes <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> I'm so used to that I don't know I'm punch drunk whatever that's what these debates will do to you after I, I was super shocked when they told me it was only the sixth Democratic debate. I could have sworn this was like that's 15th. impossible. Hey, that what do you what do you guys think of the uh, the in Congress the the Black Caucus throwing their support behind Hillary Clinton? I didn't know about that. Yeah, just today, and then I you sound know. very upset by this. I think it's ridiculous. One of the guys, um, I can't think of his name right now, but I guess he was. Big during the civil rights movement, there someone brought up, you know, how Bernie Sanders had, you know, marched through civil rights. He's like, oh, I don't remember seeing him there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think they're just reading. They're like, they're like, well, here's his arrest records and things from the because he didn't happen to run into him at a, a particular rally <laughs> thirty years ago. He's like, I didn't, I didn't see him. Then. No, I would have remembered that guy with that hair. Uh, yeah, I would have remembered him. I think they're just reading. You know, only the- Jew there. Or whatever. But I just the way the Clinton administration things they did have put especially minorities unfairly in prison, I, I, it just blows my mind that they have so much support from like the black community. I, I what about that. uh what about Bernie Sanders try- finally sort of playing the Jewish card a little bit? I don't know if you guys caught that. He didn't actually say it at all, but uh, you know, Hillary is always has to bring up the woman thing, and she said something about referring to making history as the first woman president, and he was kind of like saying, "Well, you know, I've been around a while, and well, you know, that because of my background, if I were president, I would make history too." Like basically saying, like, "Yeah, <laughs> Jewish president <laughs> hasn't happened yet either." So you know, either one of us can make history here. All right. I actually listen to that and didn't pick up Jewish at all. It went right over my head. I don't know head. what else he could have been talking about when he referred to his background. I was thinking background. he was talking about being a socialist. Being like... <laughs> Maybe. Hey. The first socialist. 
Sal Kai's history. First, uh, is, the, he's the, is he the first from Vermont? Has there been a Vermontian president uh, before? Maybe that. Maybe it's that. Yes. The first man to um, look like what's his name from Back in the Future to become president? Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, the first Christopher Lloyd lookalike to become president. Biff. First man to be impersonated by Larry David to become president. There's a lot of possibilities he could have been referring to, I suppose. I, I do. I feel like he's going to pull it off. I don't know. I think he's going to. Well, good. Let's let's get into this now, because this is my next thing. Actually, we'll get into predictions in a second. First, I want to ask you guys one thing. It's actually a two part question. I want to ask you who the winner of the debate is, but it's two parts. One is who you think the winner of the debate is just from your own beliefs or what have you, whatever perspective you want to take on it. And then the other factor is who do you think the average like de- primary voting Democrat takes away as the winner? So we'll, we'll start with Rico again. Um, I guess I would say Hillary won the debate because I think she positioned her uh, kind of, Positioned her position. <laughs> <laughs> she like positioned Austin, those positions. That's I'm like exactly what Austin she did. Powers. Um, <laughs> as, as Can I like, position your position? Um, she's like, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I said Larry David. <laughs> I'm like Bernie in all these respects. So I think people are going to be like, there's not really any difference. But she was more articulate in a lot of ways where, and, and more fiery, I thought, in certain points. And not that I agreed with anything she said. I just think her demeanor was came across as like more knowledgeable, if, if that's possible. Yeah, she she presents herself better. She's able to look like she knows what she's talking about. And so, Rico, is she, is she the winner I, I, I for just, is she the winner for talking? And I I just go into like a blind rage and just get so mad every time she talks. She's a liar. She's a snake. Uh, but I know. I think. The average person who doesn't really follow politics or doesn't know much about her probably feels she's more polished. And she doesn't ever seem phased by anything that happens in the debate. When, when she laughs, though, she, she kind of reminds me of like Jack Nicholson as the Joker. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she does have that lovely face. But yes. Um, what was the second part of the question? Well, j- just if she wins, like if she, you. Like, if you think that the average primary Democrat voter will see her as the winner as well. Like, do you see her the, w- the winner from your perspective and you think that the primary voters will see her the same way? Well, I guess I don't really identify with anyone who would consider voting for either one of those two. You've met them. I- they're in Ohio. <laughs> well, yes. And they're all Hillary supporters to begin with, really. There you go. There's your answer, um, I guess. I, d- I don't know. Does it really even matter what she does in the primaries? Because she's just going to get all the super delegates. She's just going to have to be close enough to you not, guys, you guys to not get that. blown out. She's but just if, not going to get blown out, and she's not going to lose the South. And I doubt she's going to lose California. So, she, I mean, she's going to do well enough in all these states where she has a lock-in, and then she's going to get the super delegates. And I don't think the race is going to be as close as maybe what the support – you know, would break down to like, maybe even if they were 50, 50, she's going to do so much better just with her organization, the super delegates that it's not really going to be. Um, it's that they have to be careful with that though. If it seems like the party is just overriding the will of the people, they could have a revolt on their hands. With the, yeah, I don't, I don't see her losing that many supporters. 
fine. Bernie did good in Iowa and New Hampshire, hardly representative of the country as a whole. We'll see what you know how he does in South Carolina. I mean, if he does well in South Carolina, I feel like South Carolina is going to let us down. I mean, how many times have they elected Lindsey Graham? It's just <laughs> uh, I, I, she's definitely going to win South Carolina. I feel like that's the hawkest state out there. I don't. Think I also feel like I'm going to come on here every podcast and trash every state that's about to vote <laughs> every time. Well, there's We're okay, all well, idiots in South Carolina. <laughs> okay, so, so do you think that Hillary came across as the winner too? Then Howie. Um, not to me because I listen to what they actually say and <laughs> I think she presents herself better, but the content of her message, I think is bullshit. It doesn't, but she, she agreed with Bernie on everything. Didn't you listen to her? Not really. She kind of paid a little bit of lip well, service. It was the first sentence of almost every answer. Yeah. But then she's like, but you know, I'm not going to promise people things we can't do. I have a more realistic blah, blah, blah. Pretty much status quo, keeping the same corporations in charge are in charge, paying the same money to the same people. God, how no, uninspiring. No, as idealistic as you, Bernie, but... How uninspiring could anybody be when they're just like, yeah, I mean, whatever. Those are nice ideas. We can't really... Do- We're just going to keep things she, pretty much the same. I'm going to make some minor tweaks and move along. Yeah, she's going to keep, you know, supporting the same cronies and... But that's, that's her position. I don't like it. So, yeah, it's, to me as a voter, she I don't think she won, but... So what do you think – who do you think – your mom's going to choose Hillary then, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I know – I'm going to view your mom as your version of the average Democratic voter. She doesn't like Clinton. I, I could see her supporting Bernie, but if Clinton wins the primary, she will vote for her over any Republican that could possibly. Well, of course. Can Howie's mom be on after the uh, Pennsylvania primary to recap? <laughs> hey, I'm down. I'm, happy. <laughs> I'm totally down. I don't know. She won't even go on Facebook. I don't know that <laughs> – Oh, this is easier than Facebook. She, you just pick up a microphone, have a chat. She won't even know. Mm. Just, oh just, yeah, I could I I could talk to her about it, and have a hidden mic or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too bad. Our, too, our, too bad. Our plotting of this is being recorded and it's going to be released to the world. So, um, all right. So, I, from my perspective, I, I mean, I think Bernie won for me, um, and I think he came he, to me. He come he comes across as more of like. Not more of a better debater necessarily, not someone with like more presidential, but he comes across as more inspiring. He seems to really like want to be there. He seems to be there with a mission, even if it's a mission that I don't agree with him on. But he's good at what Robin Kerner always says is is channeling that the sense of injustice out there. And a lot of people have that sense. And I think he's very good at at kind of uh, capturing that. So to me, you know, from from that surface point of view, I do think he's the winner. Um you guys have perfect points about how Hillary is able to come across though. She comes across as she's definitely comes across as the safer choice for sure. If you're worried about the world like ending, although really to me, she's the war hawk. She's the one that's going to make the world end. If anybody, you know, if, if you're worried about extremes, I guess you're probably going to stick with Hillary. She's the safe one. And that might be, that might represent the majority of Democrats. I don't know how much the, the progressive Sanders supporters can really influence things in the end, but it's it's already way more interesting than I thought it would be. So if it's the who would you rather have a beer test with? I think I'd rather go up to Vermont, and drink some Magic Hat with uh, Bernie Sanders, or even get some Ben and Jerry's ice cream or something, than uh, <laughs> do, do anything. How he has fully planned out his date with Bernie Sanders. <laughs> 
weekend with We're Bernie. We're gonna ride bicycles. <laughs> that Bernie, should be our goal. Uh, let me come out there. We'll go get some ice cream. We'll get some beers. Uh, I've got some advice for you. Okay, Howie, just give me a minute. I, I, I have I'm, I've 300 people on hold. They gave me $27 each. They want to know I when I'm going to get them to college. I'm sending 36-year-olds uh, back to college. <laughs> Howie, just give me a moment. Yes, I will try to get you back into Penn State. Please. <laughs> All right. So, and then I want to do our predictions now because it's actually, luckily, guys, we've got a little break coming. The Democrat crew's got a break coming. Not that we're going to necessarily stay on this side of things, but although we'll always be the A-team in my heart. Um but I want to ask you guys when the next okay the next time we talk about Democrats they don't have a, another debate until the sixth of March which is not only after South Carolina and after Nevada the two next big ones but it's also after Super Tuesday when there's like eighteen or twenty something primaries so a lot's going to happen between now and then so just give me your quick summary you don't need to predict every state or anything that might take too long just say. Is this over then? I mean, is Hillary going to sweep these states or is Bernie going to win primaries and win enough to keep things interesting? Rico? I think Clinton will win not all of them. Uh, I think she'll win enough to have a pretty commanding lead. Uh, but Bernie will stick around for a while. He'll, uh, he'll still put up the good fight. He'll win a, a primary or two. He'll probably win Vermont, I got to think, right? Well, yeah, and he'll uh, make Hillary sweat more than she wants to, but I I don't think uh, it's going to be particularly close. Uh, Are you looking down like a month or two? Because in two months or so, I would say. Yeah, Yeah, this would be about three weeks away. Yeah, in a month or so, I think Hillary will start to pull away. All right, Howie, any more optimism for the Burnster? Yeah, I'm not ready to give up on humanity yet. I'm going to say that... uh... Next time you meet, if we subtract superdelegates from the equation and just look at actual earned delegates, I'm going to say that uh, Bernie's going to be ahead. Wow. Even at this point, next time we speak about the Democrats in about three weeks, you think he's going to have, so after have more pledged after, delegates? After Super Tuesday, I think he'll have more pledged delegates. So he's going to win more primaries? or a, a, you know, I think so. A, and I don't, I don't think the news media is going to be able to resist not running with the story of like, oh my God, the underdog. We never thought he could do it. And they're just going to get... It's kind of balloon, and it's going to be so much more free press and coverage. You know, maybe they'll stop just showing the entirety of every Trump speech every day. And uh, I don't know. I think the more people know about him and get to hear what he has to say compared to Clinton and the stuff I want to get out about her out there. I don't know. Especially if young people show up, I think there's a chance. Well, come on. When has that ever happened? They've never shown up. Young people just, have literally never shown up. So I just, they, I they love to think up, that. They but in New Hampshire. They just showed up in uh, Canada and elected a young guy who wants to shake things up. Well, maybe some Canadians will come over across the border and become American citizens in the next Oh, season. wait. Do Canadians sneak in here and vote like Mexicans? <laughs> I don't know. You always hear about like Mexican immigrants getting on like the, the Democrat rolls. To, and you never hear about Canadians. Maybe we should get that started. We'll start busting them up. All right. We'll talk about that off air, I think. I think that's, <laughs> that's the best place for that. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me once again here. Thank you for sitting through yet another debate with us. Uh, did you notice that I'm copping out of giving a prediction here? No. Uh, I think that Hillary's going to be winning. I'm 
not going to go. I don't have as much optimism for Bernie, but I do think he's going to win enough to, like Rico said, keep things interesting, still be in it. And uh, we'll see what happens, though. Things can get crazy. It's already it's already the craziest, strangest campaign I've ever been a part of. And, you know, at least it's interesting. At least it's not just Hillary's a shoe in with no challenge. At least it's not just Jeb winning on the other side. So if for nothing else, I'm grateful for that. So thank you very much, folks. It's been a blast. And with that, I'm not going to sign off. No, I'm going to send you over to what I'm going to call the B team. Sorry, guys, but you're second. You're B. That's the way it is. Odie, the Republican debate crew. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is John Odermatt. You just heard from our Dem debate reaction team. They were calling themselves the A team there. I I take exception to that. And I think the two gentlemen that I'm joined by tonight for this GOP reaction show We'll take exception to that as well. Uh, Through the magic of time travel, or maybe it's just podcast editing, we have time traveled from after Thursday night at the Democratic debate to now it's Saturday night, and we're after the GOP debate to summarize the insanity that was that debate. It was completely nuts. I want to get quickly dive into and start talking about this debate, so I don't want to waste any time. Let's go right to uh, across the state. I'm in Pittsburgh. We're going to go over to Philadelphia. Uh, to Jean-Bernard Lubin. How are you doing, JB? Doing pretty well. Thanks, John. How's everything going? You, it's going It's going good, man. It's going good. Did what you, do you enjoy uh, the debate? I did. I uh, I think. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard, it's hard to know if I enjoyed it or not. Um, I laughed a lot. The, the crowd was really into it. But uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Was it. I don't know. I felt. Did you uh, sip on some alcoholic beverages during this uh this debate? I certainly did. I have the Glenfiddich Bourbon Barrel Reserve here, age 14 years. It got me through. I'm pretty happy with it. Delicious. All right, all right. I'm drinking uh, drinking some Sweetwater 420 and uh, had a couple of those, so I'm feeling feeling pretty good. Uh, with, with that said, I'm going to turn the page here and flip it to Los Angeles to you haven't heard from him in a little while. I think you had maybe some some back surgery, I think. Brian McWilliams in L.A. Hello, that is correct. I did get my back sliced open. Herniated discs, man. Avoid them if you can. They are not a good time. Uh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. That sounds awful. It was awful. I, I've been on my back the last two weeks. It's, it's been terrible. Stand up, get head rushes. Awful. But it didn't stop me from drinking or blogging this debate. And I'm drinking a You're special. A uh, it's damn well right I am. A soldier for liberty. But this, uh, this is an interesting thing. A buddy of mine for my recovery gift, gave me this Orphan Barrel uh, Whiskey Distillery, The Gifted Horse. And it's like they find some weird old barrel that they forgot about. It's like 17 years old, and then they mix it with a, uh, a newer whiskey. It's, it's interesting, to say the least. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, and by the way, I also take, uh, take a front to being called the B team, mostly because, you know, the A team, if you remember the TV show, yeah, they were charismatic, but they sucked. Nobody ever got shot. Screw that. That's not the way you win. We're the B team. We go in. If we're going in, we're shooting people. Right? In the no one camp. ever got shot in the A team. Never. I haven't seen this show in like twenty years. So oh, no. I can't was, remember. It was like GI Joe. Definitely got shot. I, I saw an sure? episode not too long ago where one of the A team got shot. Well, yeah, they get shot. Like they get winged. But I mean, like the people they're shooting at never die. Like it's like oh blah 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 blah. Nobody. They shoot for twenty minutes. Nobody ever gets hit. It's like to watch a GI Joe where nobody ever gets hit. Just shoot, shoot, shoot. And it's like oh, they gave up. Okay. Because they couldn't show it on TV. Screw that. We're the B team. We kill people. Or at least shoot them in the leg. Here's the B team. 
That's our motto for the night. We're the B team. We kill people. And so. our black guy will fly on airplanes. Oh, I certainly will. <laughs> I'll fly the airplane. <laughs> if, for those of you who don't don't know the A team lore, uh, Mr. T would never fly in airplanes. Who's scared of it? Yeah, he had to be drugged to get on there. You know, since we kidnapped. Meanwhile, we'll fly uh, and be drugged just for fun. Because why not? Just for fun. As uh, as I'm sure I'm sure Brian has had a fair amount of uh, little maybe some painkillers for that back surgery. Oh man, know, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm a, I may be a little loopy on this because I've been drinking this. It's like it's really strong proof too. It's like 115 proof, and taking these painkillers. So you know, we hello. Hello, Important nurse. question, though. Ha- have, have you been able to poop, though? I don't know if you guys saw that Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, about I know. The, uh, pe- people taking too many opiates, not being able to poop. Uh, so. I didn't see your picture out there, Brian. I was disappointed. No, I auditioned, but they said no. No, I have, I have a very regular bowel, so I'm, I'm pretty good. They gave me some softeners. They, why are we even talking? This is ridiculous. This is more <laughs> ridiculous than that debate was. This has devolved faster than the Republican debate tonight, which went downhill very quickly, but was very entertaining. Let's let's jump right into it. Um, let, let's start talking about obviously the the big news right before the debate. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Anton Scalia, I think I think I'm saying that right, Scalia. passed away. Isn't it normally? Is this Scalia? Scalia. I think, I think it's Scalia normally, right? Scalia. Brian? Yeah. Scalia. Said some odd way during the debate, which I pronounced it Scalia, but the guy yeah. said it in some odd way, which I don't know. Maybe he's right, but then again, I also That's say what, Muslim, like Muslim, not like Muslim. Muslim, like That's Bernie true. Sanders. Yeah. So they, they talk. Obviously, they talk about that first. And I, I joked with Brian beforehand that Ben Carson was going to his opening statement was going to be, "I'd like to take a moment of silence for uh, Supreme Court Justice Anton Scalia." But they, they trumped, you know, they trumped uh, Ben Carson and did the moment of silence beforehand. So he had nothing to talk about. Yeah. Well, a lot of them still mentioned them in their opening statements, or at least during the night they referenced him a lot. So it was like, uh, you know, let's just mention him. Great. You get into a little bit of it. I mean, it was an interesting conversation though about the. You know, the appointees, which I remember both of us kind of said it's just insane that these people are elected. They're appointed for life. They're, they're, they're not elected. They're appointed. And then they get to stay in the Supreme Court for the rest of their lives, which is insane. And Ben Carson actually mentioned that just the you know, life expectancy was lower back when the uh, the rules were made. But, yeah, it's crazy. You can get elected here in there for 40 years. It does seem like an unusual amount of power for a entire third of the federal government. Right. You know, just to be like, like handed this job for the rest of your life and the people really have no say at that point or at any point in the process. The people are completely cut out of one third of the federal government. Right. It's like, why shouldn't they have elections like everybody else? You know, I mean, hell, we have elections for these people. I mean, I think judges are elected anyway in the beginning, but they're appointed. This is the most one of the most important positions you can have. And the we have no say, as you mentioned, let's have elections. Let's have debates. I think it'd be incredibly entertaining to watch two judges argue back and forth about constitution and you know how they would interpret it i find that fascinating I, I, maybe you know what to watch I, but i would it might oh, be I, fascinating I, it might be entertaining but i don't know if we want to be you know having elections and debates about um about law i, I mean well people I, would I know, know more about sure it how. though people seem so ignorant you know people are just applauding for the dumbest shit tonight and Maybe if they had these debates, people would actually tune in and learn a little something about the Constitution, what it actually means and what application of law there is and why these, uh, you know, these edicts are passed down saying Obamacare is legal or not. You know, because nobody reads I, the, the memos that are put out, not the not the everyman. No one is going to tune into a debate about law. Can you imagine how boring that would be? I mean, two, it, it, two it's not judges. like they're going to be reading like legal briefs on 
TV or anything. It's like, if we get to have debates and elections on the people who make laws, why not the ones who interpret them? I don't understand what the difference is, really. Like, if anything, like, I feel like it's a less critical part of the two because it's really hard to get laws overturned unless they're, like, ridiculous. So, But we allow... we vote on the lawmakers but not the law interpreters yeah agreed especially yeah consider I, the I, fact, I don't know and, and there have to be term limits i mean if you consider how much people change over time like how long did it take to get people to even accept medical marijuana as a thing like all these older guys are you know never never no never never i mean you look at the supreme court a lot of them are always going to be old because they sit around for years so they're not changing with the times yeah, Scalia was Supreme Court Justice since 1986, almost almost as long as I've been alive. Right. Like he beat, I've beat him by three years. That's boy, an JB. incredible long time for a public official to be in power. Yeah. It's like a, the reign of an, a king or something like that. It's really amazing he was able to live that long and just being a Supreme Court Justice because that's not an easy job. There's a, I'm assuming quite a amount of stress and work and uh, – and all that that goes along with it. So I, don't I, know, think hey, hey. I think there's far less because they're not as accountable as elected officials are. You see how ragged presidents get at the end because everyone's always yelling at them all the time. And they have to be have to worry about getting reelected for the second term. Once you're a Supreme Court justice, where is the pressure really coming from? Yeah, it's Who like being a professor with tenure. Yeah, that's like actually kind of the point. That's I, I believe that's kind of why the Supreme Court is set up that way. So they don't get influenced by this pressure. But, you know, I don't. Life seems like an incredibly long time to have to hold any public office. Yeah, well, it, it makes sense in a way that yeah, you don't want to be influenced by what the electorate might do, but still, give them eight years then a term, give them ten years, whatever it is. You have a nice, nice long ten year run where you don't have to worry about it, and then you know, then you go for re-election. And if you get elected, great. If you don't, get out of there. You have something new going. Yeah, but I think eight years for really anything in political life or judicial life. That's enough. We don't need any. We don't need a president more than eight years, a congressman, a senator, a governor, a Supreme Court justice. Eight years. That's that's enough time. I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. Me too. And marriages should be capped at eight years too. Hey, you have have everything in eight years. I'm engaged. Have it all. I'm gonna get married in October, but you know what? that's enough. Eight years later, let's let's call it off. Eight <laughs> years of schooling. That's all you need. <laughs> more than you need. How about Ben Carson? Take, let's okay. Let's actually get into the debate. <laughs> uh, how about Ben Carson, by the way, taking on the uh, the whole free college thing? He was the only one to really speak on. I haven't heard any Republicans take that on. He was the first one to do it. And as I said in our uh, our little live blog, I think this was Ben Carson's best debate by far. Not even close. So, what, can you can you summarize what he said about the free college thing? Um, Basically, let me see if I have notes on this, uh, and I don't. But no. <laughs> oh, no, here we go. No, I, do. I do. We don't want notes. I do. Have a note. No, so he, he actually the statement he made was just that, you know, free college is unsustainable. It adds, you know, we already have a massive debt. It's going to add so much more on top of that. And then it also impacts, you know, this unsustainable debt. It's unguaranteed debt. So you have this original debt we've got already with college. Then you make everybody free. Everybody goes to college. And then he said, you know, how is that going to impact the Fed? How is it going to impact interest rates? Because you've got all this money out there tied up with this free college. So I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty interesting that he even went into it. Yeah. I think the thing that gets me with the, the whole free college debate is everyone just, um, at least on the, on the Democrat side, it seems they want to make all college degrees equivalent. 
you know, if you want to go for an art history degree or an engineering degree or a biology degree or a pre-med degree, make it all equivalent. That should all be paid for. It should all be free, which I think is pretty, it's pretty ridiculous because, I mean, what's an art history? Someone who majors in art history, they might graduate and get a, get a job doing something, but they're not going to make any money in the in the field of art history, at least not that I know of. A, so a I, I mean, that's, that's one thing. Yeah. Those jobs thing are like few and far in between to actually, you know, land one of these positions from what I can, from what I've read. Well, hell, most of us that have degrees, like I have an English degree, I work in public relations, so I'm using my degree to an extent, but I think most people that graduate the degree they, they had don't necessarily use that degree. I mean, engineering, you would like, oh, do you, you, you have an engineering degree. Of course, you're going to be an engineer. I don't, I don't have engineering. I have a supply chain degree. Oh, I don't you're use a filthy it. Dirt I don't, I don't use monitor. it at all. Yeah. I had so much respect. I just lost all of it. Awesome. It's all That's gone. <laughs> no, no, no. To, but, salvage, salvage this, I use my degree. I got a biology degree. And coincidentally, I'm a biologist now. So There, there you go. But, you know, in the, in the sciences, it makes sense. In electric, you know, electrical mechanical makes sense but you know for a lot of people that graduate degrees they never use them for what they're intended anyway and as we've discussed in various other forums a lot of college degrees you know people change statistically jobs three times before they're 30 so clearly people are not using degrees they're intended for and unless you have a very specific job function you don't necessarily need that education or that degree so if they get college free for everybody all you're doing is making college into high school people are going to go to college Everybody gets a degree. Nobody's going to have work because it's all the same shit. You know, like right now, there's people sitting at home on the couch because they have a college degree. and There's too many people graduating. So if everybody's got one, how's that going to help the workforce? Who's going to want to take that lower paying job, you know, that has a college degree? Like, oh, I've got a college degree now. I'm not going to take that job. Ridiculous. Th- yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. I, th- I think it gets a little bit, little bit misconstrued, though. I mean, it's not a bad thing, per se, that more people have degrees. Uh, the more people are getting educated, I think that's good that we have more people that um, even even with, uh, you know, higher education in the state, it is going to college. Um, you're going to be exposed to more things, both inside and outside the classroom, which I think in general is a good thing. But that's not to say that there's not a lot of jobs out there that are also well paying, like being a plumber, or an electrician or any any of the trades that you don't need to go to college and you can make a lot, you can make as, as much money or, or, or more money than people that have a college degree. Well, I know a few so, friends out here. Oh, oh, sorry. I don't want to interrupt you. I think. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so I have a few friends out here in LA that I met. They, none of them went to college. They all got into programming, you know, because it's, it's something you can learn on your own. There's a lot of applications you can download. You, you just take your courses online or figure it out. They're all making a ton of money now, more money than I'm making. And they could, because why they had a four year start. You know, they're getting into this business. They get a four-year start. They turn that in. They have four years of seniority. Now they're making tons of money. They got in on their own without any college education. Meanwhile, people that are graduating with a, you know, a degree in programming or whatever else are starting four years behind and basically probably got four years of education you could have had in a year because you're not taking all those kind of general credits that are worthless for what you want to do. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely a good point. Yeah. But I think yeah. – I'm not I'm not 100% certain on this but I think a lot of the free college pushes are more geared towards community college and trade schools. I think there is actually a trade school provision. Don't quote me on that, but I'm fairly certain that there is. But like really all that's going to do inevitably is push things like a master's degree to distinguish yourself from other people in the workforce. Workforce master's degrees will become like the new like undergraduate degree where if you want like a better job or to stand out or, you know, 
in, um, make your resume look good. Now more people are going to have to go to master's degrees to, you know, basically distinguish themselves. Right. Everyone has a, a undergraduate degree. Right. Yeah. Or, or doctorates or whatever else. They're just pumping exactly. more money and more time into the system. Now, instead of people going to college, and those aren't going to be free. Oh, well, I, I should hope not. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It's kind of just kicking the can down the road a little bit. Yeah, and you think about what does that do to the workforce now? If you have to differentiate yourself by having a master's degree, instead of being at a, at a high school working or at a college for four years working, now you're going for a master's. So you're in for six years, let's say. Or if you get a doctorate, you're in for eight years. Maybe at that point, maybe you just stay in the educational field and you just do nothing. You know, it's it's ridiculous. And then you look at the, the cost of it all, which I agree with Odie that having more education in general is good, but maybe the emphasis should be on better education in high school, which are, is atrocious right now. The U.S. is probably, I think we're like 300th in the world or something as far as education. So put more emphasis on education in schools. Get the, you know, get the federal government out of that because it's been a complete failure with the no child left behind stuff and everything else. Get them out. Have more money from the states. They can put more money into education at a lower level, educate people better. And then you don't need to go to college and, and, you know, have a hell of a lot of fun for four years, but also get in more debt or put everybody in more debt because we're paying for it. All right. Well, I would love to just have this whole show. We could talk about higher education and, and the problems of free college. But let's let's talk about this this ridiculous debate. Um, the, the, the crowd, do you guys think the crowd was drunk during this debate? Have you ever seen a crowd that was that booed and cheered as much as this crowd? No, it was crazy tonight. Like, uh, like absurd tonight. I swear to you, I, the crowd had to be all, I said, the Southern Baptists because they got crazy <laughs> for Rubio and his religious. Like, I, seriously, I swear to God, they had to be Southern Baptists who are used to being like, yeah, let's go. Woo! Because they were going crazy for everything. They're booing, they're cheering. It was like, Odie, I think you said it was like, you know, being at a NASCAR rally. It's like, yeah. you know, do they have a do they have a, a grassy area above the seats where people could, you know, <laughs> just go crazy? It was it was ridiculous, but it also was fun in that way because I was laughing my ass off at the hypocrisy of a lot of people because Ted Cruz would say something that would basically be something they just booed earlier. And, you know, people would be like, oh, they wouldn't clap. And then Ruby would say something even worse, like on immigration. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it was it was obviously it was so blatantly, obviously a pro Marco Rubio, pro George Bush, and I guess to a lesser extent, pro John Kasich uh, crowd because they didn't get booed at all. Yeah. It, it, anything remotely, I don't want to say decent, just almost anything they said that was that, they just got cheered for just random things. But Trump, I, I I don't know what what Trump was trying to do tonight, what his plan was, if if he just kind of just went off script and was just freewheeling. But he he was I don't know if he came off for his base. I'm sure his base loved it. But I don't know if new voters, you know, people who are on the fence are going to like him so aggressively going after Jeb and Rubio and Ted Cruz. He tore into Ted Cruz, yeah. calling him a liar. And that was <laughs> crazy. Things he lied about. That was it, a it great was nuts. exchange there. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not surprised. Like even Cruz called out the crowd for being the, the donor contingent. That the entire crowd is filled with donors. So I'm sure Trump realized that as well. So he's just going both barrels. He didn't really care about the crowd's response to him personally. He just wanted to put out like what he wanted to say to the general populace, and most of that was scathing. And he did rip into some people quite a bit. No, totally. What, what bugs me about Trump, though. Uh, just turning to him for a second is that he, you know, like 
his foreign policy is we, we were looking at it. We're like, OK, so it's good. You hear, you hear what he says about, oh, you know, you don't want to destabilize the Middle East. Great. You don't want to, uh, you know, to go to war with Russia or get involved in Syria. Great. That's fantastic. Agreed completely. He was against the Iraq war. That was a mistake. Great. Applause. Wonderful. Good job, Trump. But then he also talks about, like, we need to go in and take out ISIS in one big blow. It's like. I, I don't know exactly what the guy is saying. I don't know what his actual plan is ever. And one of the moderators called about on some, some other topic about that. But I, I still don't know what the hell he actually really wants to do other than build a wall. It's the only thing yeah. I know he wants to do, which is never going to happen. Well, that's the only plan of action he actually you know, speaks about. When he was asked about his um, Social Security plan, how that would cost like 12 to $15 trillion, what his plan was. He completely skated around the question and started focusing on China for some reason. Like China has anything to do with our social security problems. Right. <laughs> it's like, when is he actually going to start talking about his actual platform? At some point, he's going to have to do it. You know, the moderator's clearly keyed in on that fact that he doesn't actually say anything substantive. So it's like, come on, Trump, put it out there. We're, we're nine debates in. Are you going to say anything of value? I mean, not not to uh, not to excuse Donald Trump, but I mean, when you look at the other candidates, you look at a Rubio or a Jeb Bush or a Ted Cruz talking about the Middle East, um, you know, especially Bush and Rubio. We'll, we'll talk about going after both ISIS and after Assad. But that's all they say. You know, what happens after you wipe out ISIS and Assad? What are you going to do then? Who, who? I mean, the, it's the same things. You're going to have terrorists just funnel back into the area again, and the same thing will happen again. So I don't think anyone has a plan, and I don't know what the heck a plan would be for something like that. I mean, it's awful what it's awful what ISIS does. Assad's a terrible, a terrible dictator, but I, I don't I don't know what the answer is. There's honestly no one left on that stage who will honestly talk about the repercussions of any type of action brought upon by the U.S. government in that region. There's no one left who will even broach the subject. Kasa kind of did. He because he had that statement where he was talking about the history of how you know Western states had divided up that area of the Middle East and uh, you know and caused a lot of the problems with the different factions. Which you know I actually like. Kasich, uh did a good job. He, the last few debates he'd been sounding more neocon, but tonight he kind of got back to his foreign policy uh, positions that I liked initially many debates ago, saying that the U.S. shouldn't be involved in, in you know, civil wars, essentially, and uh, we should only go to war if we're directly threatened and, and that kind of thing. So I was I was pretty impressed by Kasich in a way. So I thought he kind of addressed that. I did point out that he, he is Kasich has a similar posture to Ron Paul, if, if you notice. He kind of holds himself the same way at the podium. Yeah. So maybe a little bit of that Ron Paul non-intervention is rubbing off on him. I don't know. Certainly hope awesome. so. It's probably not because he's honestly. You know, I discounted Kasich. I was like, okay, afterthought. But he's he's growing. He's taking. You know, he's getting more prominent and uh, and getting more followers to the polls, which is great. He actually just added Ron Paul or Rand Paul's ad guy. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, that. I think every, I think every campaign has added someone from the Rand Paul campaign recently. Didn't yeah. uh, the campaign manager just went to Rubio's team, which was right? great? Sure, yes, because that will tank Rubio's campaign. As we as we all know, that Rand like, Paul's obviously campaign was he's wrong. not very good at his job considering Rand Paul's campaign. <laughs> exactly. Like, why would you hire? It's like failing upward. Like, oh, that went horribly, and you got embarrassed in Iowa after saying you were going to dominate. Come on board. You're a good guy. So stupid, but good for us because you know Rubio. I, I think is one of the absolute worst candidates on stage. Is he the worst? I'll, I'll pose that question. Is he the worst on stage? <laughs> 
He's probably he's the worst. That's he's, tough. He's the one on stage probably at least would want to be president, even more than Trump. I, I will say that right now. I actually was getting a bit, of, a bit of stick from my Rubio hate, but I'm going to double down on my Rubio hate this pod and say of, of every person on that stage, he's probably the one I would like to be president the least. Let's let's do that. Let's go around. We can start with JB and, and uh, let's rank the current remaining GOP contenders from worst to I don't want to say best, worst to not worst. Are we explaining why or just listing them? Um, explain as you go through if you want to. I don't know. Two, like it, one yeah. one or two sentences. Yeah, we don't have to get in detail. Yeah, otherwise, this will be an hour and a half long for the <laughs> second half of this pod because the B team does it right. Exactly. Go, JB, go. I'm thinking this is like a really oh, hard question. Jesus. Like, are oh, you, are, man. Yeah, like, you do, you want, do you want me to start? Yeah, go, yeah, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm All right. Still, I, still. I haven't even thought about this. I'll just I'll just freewheel it. So I, I, I definitely agree. Rubio is the worst. Uh, my reasoning is a little bit different. He's a huge neocon. I don't trust him. But also my daughter's name is Ruby and my last name is Odermatt. Rubio! So her, nickname, so her nickname might be Rubio, which <laughs> I can't have that. Can't have that. So Rubio is by far the worst. I want him nowhere near the Oval Office. After that, I've got to go with Jeb Bush because he's pretty much the same as Rubio. He's a neocom. We've had enough Bushes. Had enough of it. I'm, I'm sick of the Bush dynasty or whatever the heck they want to call it. And from there, it gets a little strange. So we have three left, right? There's five total. I'm not missing someone, am I? No, I think five. so. Uh, wait, there's six. six. There's six. Yeah, there was six. Oh, Ben Carson. Oh, I forgot about Ben. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> I'll, 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 put, I'll put Ben at the... Uh, the, the third from worst at next. So Rubio was six, then Bush and uh, Carson next, just because I honestly don't think he could handle being president. I don't think he has the capabilities to really handle it. I mean, a great brain surgeon, but he would fall asleep on the job, probably literally. Okay, from there, I don't want to take up too much time. From there, probably down to the next three. Well, I, I said Jeb, so um, Carson, Jeb, and then I'm down to uh, – yeah. Either Cruz or Trump, right? Yeah. No, Kasich. Kasich, Kasich Cruz, Cruz Trump. or Trump. Okay, so I'm uh, Cruz. Cruz then worse from there. So then I'm left with uh, Trump and Kasich. Trump and Kasich for who? Who I would pick? That's tough. Wow. Um, I I guess you know just because I've got to go. I've got to say Kasich would be a little better than Trump. What scares me the most about Trump is his stance on torture. He talked about during the last debate. I don't know if you guys heard that yeah. where he said. That uh, because ISIS has chopped people's heads off, that he's going to bring back waterboarding and far worse. So that really does scare me about yeah, Trump. Medieval so, times, right? Is what he said. I would put Kasich at the at the least worst of the final six. So All right, who wants to go next? JB, are you ready? Do you want me to go? Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll continue that trend and I'll put Kasich first. Like I feel like of the people left in this election, he's the most. He's the sanest by far, and probably the most equipped to be president of the United States. I would have to say Kasich goes first. And after that, I really dislike everyone else. So I have to do this through gritted teeth, but I'd have to go Cruz second. Wow. Yeah, oh. I'd have to go Cruz second. Why? For almost the same reasons, like of all the people after Kasich, I'm, I'm definitely lukewarm towards Kasich, but the others I hate with a fiery passion. So this is like, this is me doing the best that I can to rank people who I absolutely do not want to be president. So Cruz just comes out on top there. He seems of so, the people left most likely to do the best job out of them 
if he were to be president of the United States. Hmm. So you think maybe Ted Cruz is less likely to nuke someone than Donald Trump? I think so. I think some. I think there is a little shred of libertarian somewhere buried deep in Ted Cruz. And if he has the job, I think the rhetoric will die down a bit because he doesn't have to worry about appealing to a base. He can actually appeal to his real principles. And I think there is a shred of libertarianism in that man. So he has to be second after Kasich. JB has officially started the uh, the old thing we said about Rand Paul, where Ted Cruz will get in office, rip off the shirt and have the giant L libertarian Superman. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I have my fingers crossed that that could possibly happen. So I put him a second. I think JB just turned into a Ted Cruz supporter I right now. I think he did. I think you just heard it here. He's cruising. <laughs> so who's? Uh, so do you want to go through all the rest, or you just want to say who's your worst candidate then? By far, Rubio. Like his warmongering, his inability to answer pretty much any question directly. He pretty much said that we should be should have some type of entry exit tracking program with people on visas. That basically means like spying on everyone who legally enters our country. And he's just everything he says that comes out of his mouth seems like the wrong thing to do. Yeah. So I'd have to go Rubio last and probably like go Trump, Bush and Carson in between somewhere jumbled around. All right. Well, here I'll, I'll, uh, I'll lay down mine. And by the way, this is the first time I'm using my uh, my fancy mic tonight. So I hope that I'm I'm getting uh, recorded correctly. I hope I'm not going in and out. I'm also because of the back surgery standing and sitting back and forth. So. <laughs> If it's louder and softer. Anyway, okay. It, it, sound, it sounds good on this end. I'll give you that. All right, good. Good. Okay, so I would say I'll go from uh, from bottom to top like Odie did originally. So Rubio, the worst. It's a, I'm, I'm impressed and happy we all agree that Rubio has moved into the position as the worst candidate. He, yeah, as you guys said, total war hawk. Uh, his ideas, like his tax plan also pissed me off. You know, he wants like Odie, who said, you have, you have a kid now, Rubio. And, uh, you know, his three times tax break on having kids, that's not fair to the rest of us. I'm sorry. I understand. Yeah, you want kids. And he want, I, I, it encourages having more kids, I guess, which I think is an issue in some ways, especially with the welfare state. But you get a three times tax base for kids. That's great. The rest of us are still paying our taxes in full because we don't have kids. That's, that's life's not fair, Brian. Suck it up and have a kid. Yeah, but that's that's bullshit. <laughs> I'll have a kid someday, but still, I'd rather have uh, I'd rather have lower taxes across the board than get some break if I pop out a, a mewing McWilliams Jr. that I got to put food into. And my plan is to put it in a trash bag with the sock on its head until it's old enough to know what it looks like. But anyway, moving on, moving on. Uh, so Rubio's the worst. Second worst, I would say, is Carson. Uh, I just despise uh, a lot of his positions, even though he had a, the best debate tonight, as I said, and he had some decent positions. He's just his whole foreign policy is idiotic. He, he said before he wants to bomb everybody and take out the innocents. So stupid. So ridiculous. So no to Carson. Uh, next one up would be for me, Jeb Bush. Uh, you guys already pretty much hit all the points, even though I do want to mention that Jeb Bush is the only guy on stage tonight to mention a libertarian, quote unquote, libertarian institution, Cato. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, I did. I was I caught that name drop. I was so surprised by that that he dropped the Cato study, even though, as we know, Cato is a little bit more uh, more right than it is purely libertarian. But uh, call him St- Stato. Nickname. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember reading some article they wrote it was totally pro Stato. Like Jesus, come on. Um, after Bush, I would put 
God, it's so hard between Cruz and Trump because uh, Jamie makes some good points. He does have some libertarian values, but his foreign policy destroys me. Honestly, I just it, it's hard to support a guy with that foreign policy view where it just seems so so aggressive. So I'll put Cruz then then Trump after him, even though I hate a lot of his positions. His eminent domain thing is ridiculous. Uh, the immigration issue is ridiculous, and the wall, of course, is insane. But a lot of his foreign policy is great. And uh, good on Second Amendment, et cetera. And then Kasich at the top. So we all agree on the on the worst and the the best, which is uh, I guess that makes sense. You know, we're we all pretty much have the same philosophy. Well, it's yeah. surprised and, and, in a way. And I'll tell you why. It's because Mark and I had our, you know, we did our cruising and bruising podcast, uh, which we can link to in the show notes, where we had said that. You know, people were talking about Cruz as the libertarian option, like JV mentioned, but saying, OK, what's the next best option? And we had said at the time, Trump, because of his views. But Kasich, yeah. after this debate, has obviously leapt up. Yeah, honestly, if it wasn't for Trump's uh, what he said about torture during the last debate and then him calling Ted Cruz a pussy, you know, leading up to New Hampshire because Ted Cruz didn't want to, uh, you know, it's not that even Ted Cruz even said that he didn't want to use waterboarding. He just kind of weaseled his way out of it with legalese saying it's not really interrogation and he won't do it in a widespread fashion. But I, I didn't realize this, but apparently Ted Cruz's father was tortured, which Trump obviously didn't know. So wow. it, that kind of kind of hit him another place. Wow, I didn't. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes. The article I read on Ted Cruz's father being uh, being tortured. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't know. And then, yeah, the Donald Trump has his uh, before New Hampshire, he has his sons out or his I forget which son said that, you know, water waterboarding is nothing worse than what's going on in fraternity houses across America, which <laughs> is just a freaking insane statement. That's so out of touch. Um, yeah, I don't know what fraternity he's part of, but. Yeah, you guys think we're to the brink of death. I was a couple a uh, couple years ahead of you guys, but uh, I got waterboarded. <laughs> yeah, a bunch, yeah. Of, bunch think, of goddamn pussies. It, <laughs> getting into this to me. I think we, I think we phased that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing, because you know, we should probably wrap it up because we're going a little long uh, since this is a double show. But one thing I did want to bring up real quick, though, is just that Jeb Bush, I want to hear, hear what you guys take on this, because I liked this thing that Jeb Bush said in a way. Uh, it was about capital gains. And it's kind of a what the hell? I, I have no idea what side I'm on because Jeb Bush said, you know, he, he had a policy about that he approved, I guess, about capital gains, which in general, I'm against capital gains tax because it's double taxation, in my opinion. You made money, you invested the money that's already been taxed. And if you make more money, great, but then they tax it again. So double taxation, which should be illegal. Uh, but Jeb had mentioned that for these traders, you know, that uh, people are widely, they widely hate these traders. They should be taxed upon capital gains far more than the general public because that is their job and they are basically making their income off that trading and it's not their money. They're just getting commission off of it, which it, I'd say I, I agree with that. Otherwise, they're not paying the same taxes as the rest of us. So what are your guys thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, if, if if yeah, if the way he explained it is actually I don't know enough about it, but if, if the way he explained it is true, then, yeah, I, I do agree with him that, that it should be taxes income because that is, you know, what they're doing to to create that value to, you know, to, you know, picking investments that that are that are valuable and are going to appreciate over time. That's their job. And yes, they're bringing they're bringing in income. It should be taxed as taxes income. But with that being said, I don't think there should be a capital gains tax. 
at all. I, I, I think it's, I think it's bad for prosperity. It's bad for, um, it, it de-incentivizes, um, people from investing. So I, I, I would, I would get rid of capital gains altogether. Well, agreed there. JB, your thoughts? I would, I don't know really, like, uh, kind of in your boat, I don't know much about the capital gains tax and how it's implemented. But if what he says is, if again, what if Jeb said is true, and that they use that as their only or main source of income, I can see the point of the tax. But I don't, I and I, I'll have to disagree with John on a point that I don't really see the existence of a capital gains tax at all being a real dissent. Um, what's what was the word you use? Like uh, disincentive. Um, di- disincentive. Yeah, disincentive to investing because the capital gains tax would likely if if even if the capital gains tax was 50 percent you're still making money you know it'd have to be to the point where you're not making any money at all for to be a real disincentive disincentive because you know why would you not want to make money with this extra money that you have around because you won't get to keep (sighs) most of it or all of it you're still making something well, I mean, uh, I think you're may- maybe you're not thinking of it in a, in a broad sense, as broad as capital gains is. Uh, for, for example, um, I've, I've recently been buying property uh, um, in, in California and, and reselling it. And Buy it and let me um, live in it, Odie. Jesus, I'm dying out here, man. Rents are so and, high. And, and the same thing like with the house I live in now. So you say I bought this house a couple of years ago. And when I sell it, you know, say if I buy it for, you know, some of money around some, we'll say $100,000 and I sell it for $150,000, I have to pay capital, capital gains on, on that. And um, on the increase I, I think, of value after you, since you've owned ab- the property? Absolutely. Absolutely. Of, of course, of course, you, you can write off anything that you that you put into it, you know, if you improved it in any ways or, or things like that. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely, it, it, uh, yeah, it, it hurts entrepreneurs. It hurts people just trying to go out to to make to make money. And I think that's good. You, you want people trying to find places to add value in society. So it really is. You know, they talked about side of value added tax. Capital gains is essentially. I think. I think it's partially a value added tax. Not in the same way as as a, a value added tax operates entirely, but it, it's a form of it. Yeah, I agree with you that I think overall it should be uh, obliterated. It's, it's ridiculous. I've had to pay capital gains a few times on stock transactions, and it just is one of these. I don't, I don't, I agree with GB that I don't think it necessarily disincentivizes people from investing, especially like lower level, you know, but it's, it's still, it's your money that's already been taxed that you're not making more money on. And as you said, it has application over wider places than just the stock market, which is only the only thing I know it from. So it, yeah, it shouldn't exist. It's it's absurd. It's just like, what can't the government tax? You know, they find a way to tax everything. And uh, we should wrap this. But I was going to go the whole thing that they just banned taxes yeah. on internet access, but uh, we'll leave that for another time. Let's just do a quick, uh, let's let's get a prediction on uh, on South Carolina, on the Republican side. Start with start with you, Brian. Who do you think is going to win South Carolina, second and third? All right. I'm going to say it will be number one will be Rubio. Number two will be Jeb Bush, undeservedly, but number one and two. And number three will be, oh, man, either Carson or Kasich. Wow. You don't think Trump is going to place in the top three? You know what? I... I don't. I mean, I know it's, it's a lot of supporters, quote unquote, in the crowd, but 
God, the support. He, I, it's you know the the South is a different animal, man. Like they have they have different things they value. Trump is not a guy who's a religious kind of stand up, loves Jesus, you know, uh, goes to church guy. And they might look at him and, and with a lot of distrust, even though the polls indicate otherwise. I could be dead wrong, but that, that's my hey, guess. You're, you're predicting an establishment sweep, pretty much, right? Pretty the much top three. Yeah. Pretty much is in South Carolina. Oh. I am, yeah. Okay, JB. I, I'm going to buck the trend a little bit, I guess. I'll say I think Cruz will take it because of those reasons that Brian just said about the, I guess, the demographics of South Carolina Republicans. I think Cruz will snag this one, but over, I still think over Trump Rubio, will come though. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I don't think I don't think it, how well is Rubio even polling right now in South Carolina? You know, I he's 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 in second behind Trump. Tw- Trump has been going between I don't know high twenties, mid thirties. Rubio has been in the high teens, I think. Well, Rubio went like you know his closing statement. Just look at his closing statement for all you need to know about what he's what he knows about South Carolina and their voting. He's basically being like at the end, he's like, you know what? I believe that life begins at conception and marriage is only between a man and woman and God leads, not the president. And Israel is in our ally. And, you know, he, that's he like this is like, like the most religious stuff ever. So clearly he's playing into that demographic, which I have to believe is for a reason. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm underestimating uh, the, the the power of this rhetoric on the South Carolina Republican voting base. And maybe he will. I was going to put him as third, but maybe he'll win it. But as of right now, I'm saying Cruz, Trump, Rubio. I'm Cruz, Trump, Rubio. I'm going to stick with that. I think I think I have the same three as UJB, just different order. I, I think Trump's going to win. Um, and that's, you know, after that debate performance tonight, anything can happen. I don't know if people are going to hate that or like it, but it was that was it was uh, some some crazy ballsy stuff by Trump tonight. I don't know Jerry what he's trying Springer to do. Ask. It was just a throwing insults and interrupting people. You're a liar and blah blah blah. I mean this crazy insults from Trump. Yeah, it, it was it was it was weird. It was definitely weird. I'm gonna say Trump's gonna win. I think it's gonna be very close. Right now, like I said, he's polling in the thirties. I think he's gonna win it in the twenties. And I think there's gonna be a lot of people right around him. I think second is gonna be Rubio. And then uh, Bush and Cruz are going to be right there as well uh, within that within that four. I think from four to one, you're, they're going to be separated by at most maybe eight to ten percentage. So that's going to be really close. Um, but I think Trump will pull it out. All right. So with that, guys, uh, we've I think we've run over. And since we talked for more time, I think that makes us the A team. I don't know. Damn well right. And more insightful, I believe. Yeah, much more. Insane. This is going to be a long podcast. But you know, a lot of listeners have actually said they wanted longer podcasts, which I, I thought was strange. But hey, when you love something, you let it go free as far as the time it takes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you're still listening now, hopefully you are. Uh, you can find the show notes. Uh, everything we talked about, uh, we'll link to it. And I'll go back and I'll listen to what Mark and those clowns talked about. And I'll link to their stuff, too, since I'm a nice guy. And don't forget, uh, don't forget to follow the Lines of Liberty on uh, Facebook and Twitter. We send a lot of stuff out, all of our podcasts and articles. You can find it there very quickly on your Facebook and Twitter. Join our private Facebook forum, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Um, there's a lot of past guests that have joined there. We talk about a lot of things and 
you know, sometimes we're bringing some guests on. You have an opportunity to bring up questions you want to ask. So definitely look into that and subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. That's the probably the best way to help us right now. Um, you know, go on there, give us a comment and a, uh, a positive rating. We would really appreciate that. And also to check out all the past podcasts, all of Mark's past interviews, all of uh, Brian's past uh, Rand Pluses and Minuses Rest shows. Rest in peace. There's going to be one more. One more to one cap more. it. One more to Coming cap soon. It. Yeah. But to hear all the old ones, you can find them all at the lines of, linesofliberty.com slash podcast. So check those out. And with that, with that guys, let's, uh, let's sign off. Live long! And live, live free! free. Yeah.